Right, good morning. Well, uh, some of you know that I was uh, I was out last week um, because uh, it was finally my turn uh, to have COVID, and uh, uh, thankful to the Lord that uh, that I've recovered uh, fully and uh, feeling great this morning. But I just want to say thank you so much for your prayers. Uh, for me and my family, missed being with you. Um, I do have to say it was still such a gift to be able to, to worship online. So we were worshiping with you as a family, even though we couldn't, couldn't be here. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to be back. And really, in some ways, this feels like it's the beginning of the year. I, you know, We took some time off right after Christmas, came back for a week, and then I got COVID and was out another week. And so uh, I feel like I've just kind of gotten back from, from Christmas and getting into the new year. Um, and, uh, and so I'm excited. I'm excited to, to uh, open God's word together this morning. We're going to start a new series in the book of Romans. And uh, I'm really excited about what God has for us in that. I, and, and in my excitement, I have just been warned by someone who loves me very, very much uh, to not let my excitement uh, spill over into a 40-minute sermon. So, uh, because I'm, I'm prone to do that from time to time. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna, I, I, I want to share just a little bit. My goal here this morning is to share a little bit about why are we doing Romans. Uh, and we're going to be doing this uh, for several months of going through this book together. And I am really, really excited uh, about it. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with, as I've been studying um, Romans over the last several months, and just asking the Lord to speak uh, into my own heart through it, I've just been so blown away by how powerful a letter is, how beautiful a letter is, really because at the heart of it, it is the simple gospel. And I think God wants to bring us the simple gospel and allow that to do some deep and powerful work in our hearts and in the life of our community. And so we're gonna, we're gonna press in uh, to uh, studying this book, uh, this letter of Romans. And in preparing for this series, I came across this book uh, by a, a guy named Ray Ortland. Some of y'all have heard me mention Ray before. And he wrote this book called Passion for God. And I highly commend this book for you, Passion for God by Ray Ortland. Um, basically, he kind of goes verse by verse through the book of Romans. And it's got a collection of prayers and other writings from great saints and the faith people have gone before us and their reflections on these verses. But in the introduction, this is what he says. And I was just thinking about, man, how, how we jump into this thing? I could not think of better words than what he says here about Romans and why he loves Romans. So this is what he writes. He says, Romans is as kindling for holy fire. Scripture is meant to inform us and thus to inflame us. It's meant to illuminate our thoughts of God and thus ignite our affections of God or for God. And even more, we are amassing kindling for revival and reformation in the church. Romans, he says, is explosive. I love that. We're going to study an explosive book for the next few months. He says that's because under the blessing of the Holy Spirit, it warms our hearts by releasing them from guilt. It gives us confidence in God and certainty in our faith. Ignites Christians with joy and courage. It fires Christians with energy for bold ventures, bold ventures of holy obedience. And then he closes by this. He says, let me put it this way. The more you understand, believe, and love Romans, the more you'll be filled with God's spirit, walk in newness of life, and your life will count for the great cause of the gospel. 
I want to study this book. Right? I mean, you know, they say don't uh, overpromise and underdeliver. Underdeliver. <laughs> so I, I think we're 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 making big promises here. And I think what I want to encourage us to do is enter into this book, into this series with expectancy that God is going to do exactly what Ray is describing here. We need kindling for holy fire. We need that in our hearts. We need that in our families. We need that in our church. Um, we are living in a time of real darkness. And we sang that song, the battle belongs to the Lord. I think we are, we are, we are experiencing battles. Some of you here this morning are experiencing very personal battles in your own life, your walk with Jesus, your home. But even in our culture, it feels like a very dark time in so many ways. Confusion, deep division. Uh, it just feels more and more divided every day. We were hanging out with some friends in the neighborhood last night and just commenting how, man, there were people that we used to be able to hang out with um, and we can't because we have different political views on some certain topic and we can't even hang out together. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relationship killer. This has become so divisive in our culture. You know, there, you know, this week there were shootings, three police officers shot, one killed the week before. Crime is out of control. Houston is leading our nation in murders to this point in the year. 38 people in our city have been murdered. Education seems broken. Children are suffering. People are frustrated. People are angry. And I think one of the temptations in a moment like this, I feel this sometimes, and I think we in the church, and I think this is true throughout history. In moments like this, there's a tendency to kind of, for the church to kind of withdraw, to kind of pull back from all of that, from all the darkness, from all the craziness, to kind of pull back to withdraw, to become tentative. And really in what it is, I think it's letting the uncertainty and the fear that's out there kind of seep in into our own hearts and into the church. And I think what the dark world needs right now is light. Jesus said he came to be the light in the darkness. It needs fire. It needs holy fire. And this book can be kindling for that fire. And so I just want to encourage us This is the gospel, the simple gospel. It is given for a dark world. Those living in darkness have seen a great light. That's what the gospel is for. And that's what we are called to do and to be as the church. Light. That's what Jesus said. We are the light of the world, just as he is the light of the world. And that means that we as the church, when there's dark moments, you know what that is? That's our moment. That's our moment as the church to be what we've been called to be, to point to the person of Jesus, to point to the light. And we need God to kindle that fire in this moment. We can't be motivated by fear. We cannot pull back. We press in because we know the truth. The truth is our Savior, Jesus Christ, is Lord. He reigns. We just sang that. He reigns. He is the king. He is in control. And the enemy is defeated. Satan and his kingdom, their days are numbered. And we know that. We know the truth. Jesus is king and he will return. And so we are not afraid. This is his mission. We are driven by his mission. This is his gospel. We are called to share it. So this is our time. Our time to be about God's business, to live by faith and not by sight. And so let's not retreat from the darkness. Let's push back the darkness as the church. Let's do that in the power of the gospel and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's do that with Jesus, the light of the world. 
So this prayer that Ray says here just has resonated with me so deeply. I love how he says it. Illuminate our thoughts and inflame our hearts. Illuminate our minds and inflame our hearts. Ignite our affections for God. Fire us with energy for bold ventures of holy obedience. Kindling for revival and for reformation. We need God's holy fire to rekindle our hearts for this moment, to make us bold and unafraid, humble but confident. We need this letter to the Romans. I believe that. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of set the table with Romans. Maybe you're not familiar with Romans. Maybe you studied Romans before. I'd love for us to really kind of get a sense of what is this letter and how can we really enter into it and understand it. And so if you're taking notes, um, these are a couple of things I just encourage you to jot down or make a note of on your phone. Um, And so I just want to walk through a couple of questions. The first one would be, who wrote Romans? So if you got a Bible open to Romans chapter one, there's Bibles in the seat backs near you. If you want to grab one of those, Romans chapter one, we're going to look at just those first few verses that David read for us a minute ago, because it answers this question, who wrote Romans? So who's the bold soul that wants to call out the answer from Romans one? Who wrote Romans? Paul, look at that. So many brave souls. I love it. Romans is written by Paul. Paul was a follower of Jesus who wrote Almost half the New Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. He wrote 13, we think. So just prolific, huge influence on the church. But what's interesting is when we first encounter Paul in the New Testament, he's not a follower of Jesus. He's not a follower of Jesus. He hated Jesus. We encounter him in Acts 9. He is, he is or in Acts 7 and 8, he, he, is, he is persecuting Christians. That's what he is doing. He hates them. He despises them. In fact, his mission was to hunt down, imprison, and even kill Christians in his day. I was joking about this earlier. He's like the Darth Vader of first century Israel, right? He is there to crush the rebellion. That's his role in the first century. And this guy is the guy who God grabs on the road to Damascus and transforms his heart and his life. And he becomes the Paul that writes this amazing letter Romans. And I would encourage you if, you, if you haven't read this, get into Acts chapter 9 and, and begin reading just the biography of Paul as it goes through the book of Acts, because it'll help you, I think, as we enter into this letter, really understand who this author is, the man who wrote this letter. But he came to faith in Jesus. He had this radical conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And he was the quintessential Pharisee. Uh, we're going to talk more about what is a Pharisee and how that plays into this letter. But Suffice it to say, he was a man who was trying to make himself worthy of God by keeping all the rules and making sure he did everything right. But then he encountered Jesus. And when he encountered Jesus, he discovered the power of God's grace. The gospel, the simple gospel, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. And it changed his life. And so he spent the rest of his life proclaiming this good news to the world. And this letter uh, to the Romans, it's the longest letter he wrote. It's, uh, it's really his magnum opus. It's his masterpiece. And so it's a beautiful and powerful letter. Uh, and it's no coincidence then that it's the first letter, when you're reading through the New Testament, it's the first letter you come to. It is given pride of place among all of his letters. And so we're going we're gonna to look at this letter written by Paul. All right, so second uh, question we might be wondering is, when and where was Romans written? 
When and where was Romans written? So Romans, the letter, was probably written by Paul in Corinth uh, or somewhere in Greece. And we know that it was, uh, it was there, and we know about the time because it falls after or at the very end of his third missionary journey. So he had taken these circuit trips kind of around Asia Minor and the Mediterranean. And on his third trip, he had kind of camped out in Corinth in that area. And he was writing letters to all these churches that he had connections with. It was kind of his base of operations. And we, we know that this is kind of where Romans falls because in the letter, in Romans 15, what Paul says is, I'm about to go to Jerusalem because I've collected all these funds from Gentile churches to give and bless the church that's suffering in Jerusalem. And so he says, I'm going back. And then he goes on to say, and after I do that, my plan is to come to Rome, but I'm not going to stay in Rome for long. I'm going to come to Rome because I'm on my way to Spain and to the ends of the earth, essentially, because Paul's burning desire to share the gospel knows no bounds. And so this man's ambition for the world to know Christ has led him to take this trip to Jerusalem, then to Rome, and then to Spain. Now, ironically, he never made it to Spain, and the way he came to Rome was not the way he anticipated. He went back to Jerusalem, he was imprisoned, put in chains, and it's in chains that he arrives in Rome. And so he comes to Rome as one who was following Jesus for at least a couple of decades. It's this man who had come to this conversion experience on the road to Damascus, followed Jesus, taking these missionary trips, now in chains, and I think it's so helpful. You know, why, why does it matter that maybe that was 57 AD, maybe it was 58 AD? Why, why does the date matter for Romans? Here, here's why I think it matters for me. I think it matters because when I read Romans, what I realize is I'm reading from the heart of a man who's followed Jesus for decades, faithfully followed Jesus and endured suffering and loss and hardship for the sake of Christ. And so I don't know if you can imagine this, but as you're reading through Romans over the coming months, it's almost like it'd be the privilege of getting to have a cup of coffee with someone that you just have incredible respect for in the faith. Someone whose life has transformed the world because of their love for Jesus. And you get to sit and have a cup of coffee and hear their heart. That's the privilege that we get with Romans. And so it's a gift. It's this gift. So that's the when and where. Uh, who? Who is this letter to? All right, this is, this is low-hanging fruit. Who's this letter to? Church in Rome. Okay, great. Letter to the Romans. Um, so Paul, what's interesting here is Paul's letter um, to the Romans, uh, he usually wrote letters to churches. Most of them are to churches that he helped plant, that he helped begin. Romans, he'd never been there. He may have had relationships with a few folks that were connected or a part of the Roman church, but he didn't know them. Um, and so it begs the question, well, how did this church start? And we don't exactly know, but it's, it's interesting to kind of to, to guess at what may have happened. And this is kind of the best guess that most scholars have, is that the church in Rome actually came out of Pentecost. So this is really amazing to think about. Remember at Pentecost, Jews from all over the known world had come back to Jerusalem and to celebrate the Passover. And while there, they had heard Peter, the apostle Peter, preach the gospel. And thousands had come to faith in Jesus. And then after Passover ended, what did they do? They went back where they came from. And so 
the idea is that, man, some Jews who came to faith in Jesus went back to their homes in Rome, and then they began to share the gospel. And this church, these house churches began to develop and grow. And as it did, the Jews shared not only with other Jewish friends, but with Gentile friends. And so what you have by the time Paul is writing this letter is a church in Rome that's not just Jewish, but also Gentile. It's both. And so with this group, inevitably, some of the things that's mixed group, what happens is these these conflicts come up, right? There's these conflicts that come up. There's frustrations. There's different and strong opinions about how to do church or how to not do church. There's uh, expectations that some have that aren't met. There's conflicts about the vision and the direction of the church based on people's opinions and their beliefs as Jewish or Gentile. Now, I know this, this is sometimes hard for us to connect to, Jewish and Gentile, but, but I'm just going to guess. I mean, we're the perfect church, right? So this, I'm talking about other churches, right? But sometimes churches have conflict. Sometimes churches have, you know, a sense of like disagreement about important things like vision and direction and unmet expectations and personal conflict. And so I, I just say that because I think God might have a word for us as Paul addresses this in the letter, because that's a big part of what he wants to talk with them about. So that's who it's to. What is the message of Romans? So I just want to do like super fast flyover uh, of this by giving you kind of an outline. So we've, we've kind of put this up, and we'll put this on the website um, too, so you don't feel like you need to kind of grab this right now. But I just wanted to give you a sense of like the big picture because what can happen is we kind of, hey, we're going to do Romans and we kind of jump in and we're doing like little sections at a time. But like it's a letter. And so there's kind of a form and, there, and there's, there's this message uh, overall to Romans. So he, here's the message of Romans. I'm just going to kind of take each one of these in turn and share a little bit about each section. So the first section would be Romans 1, 1 through 17. So this is really the gospel is the presentation. It's kind of his summarizing overview of what he wants to share in the letter. And even more than that, Paul, what he's doing here is he's saying, this is, this is what I'm about, right? I'm sharing this with you, and this is really who I am and what drives everything. This is my life purpose. It is the gospel that's at the heart of that. The gospel, the salvation that we have in Christ by grace alone, through faith alone. Paul is saying in this opening section something amazing. He's saying that God loves you and that God forgives you, and that God rescues you, and it has nothing to do with who you are or what you've done, apart from the fact that he chooses to love you because he made you and you are his child. It's not because of what you do or don't do. It's because of what his son has done for you, namely on the cross. And so the message here is our best efforts can never be good enough to make us worthy of the gift of life with God. God declares us right with him for Christ's sake. We receive that grace through faith alone. So this is Paul's purpose, his, his, his driving force in life. And he wants to share that message. He's done missionary journey after missionary journey. He wants to go to Spain and beyond to proclaim it. And I think just stepping back for a quick second, what this begs of us is really the question of what drives us our lives? What is the, the core purpose and driving force in our own lives? So when you get up tomorrow morning and you start your day, you head off to work, you head off to school, you, you get to work around the house, 
What is it that's animating you? What is it that's driving you? What's at the core of who you are? Is it Jesus? Is it the gospel? And that's what it is for Paul, and he shares that heart. So that's the first section. Second section, Romans 1, 18 through 521, Paul's gonna make his case for why we need to be forgiven and rescued and what makes us right with God. Is it really faith alone? And this is, um, this is a challenging section. So when we get into this section, uh, you know, there's gonna be some eye-opening uh, passages here that will be tough to swallow for some of us. It will be difficult, uh, and we're gonna have to really work through them to make sure we understand what Paul is saying and not saying. Paul is tackling sin and brokenness in our world, and he doesn't pull any punches. And so we wanna hear what God's word has to say to us about the world that's fallen and about our own sin and the way that works itself out in the world. Because what Paul wants us to see is there's a need for grace, there's a need for forgiveness, there's a need for rescue. And so he makes the case. And I did just wanna pause here because um, one of the things we're gonna do is uh, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna kind of, we're gonna take a little bit of a pause in, in, the, in the progression of Romans and we're gonna take two weeks and we're gonna focus on something that Paul addresses here in this section uh, specifically, which is uh, human sexuality. And I wanted to kind of pause and kind of focus on that for a couple of weeks because this is such a confusing and challenging issue for us in our day and in our culture. And the gospel speaks directly to it. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a couple of weeks and just focus on uh, what the gospel actually has to say about our identity, uh, about things like sexuality and gender and marriage. And in, in between the two Sundays that we're gonna do that um, in late February, we have an amazing privilege. So we have a, a, a guy coming named Sam Alberry, and he is gonna lead a Friday-Saturday um, uh, kind of workshop uh, conference where Friday night we'll get together and then Saturday morning we'll get together. And he's gonna walk through what Jesus' identity and sexuality all have to do with each other. And I just wanna encourage all of us to take advantage of this opportunity. This is a huge opportunity. Sam is a world-respected, um, biblical scholar and pastor. Um, this is something that's not just an issue for him, it's very personal for him. And so I just encourage you to come and be a part of this, especially, let me just say, if you're a parent or if you're a grandparent, because we are all facing some really challenging moments in the months and years ahead with our children around these topics. And so this will be an opportunity for us to really ask the Lord to, to equip us um, for being parents and grandparents of our children in these days. So just a little aside there, but that's Romans 1, 18 through 521. Third Romans, and I'll, I'll go a little bit faster here. Romans 6, 1 through uh, 11, 1136, Paul works through objections to or questions about the gospel. How does grace actually work? Is, if it's all grace, can I just do what I want? And God forgives me. Um, don't skip that week. Uh, does obeying God matter? Uh, what about the nation of Israel? God's made all these amazing promises to his people. And now Jesus has come. How do those things kind of work themselves out? How does that fit into what God has done in his plan of salvation? Uh, fourth, Romans 12, 1 through 5, 15, 13, Paul talks through how the gospel shapes our lives, specifically our relationship to authorities and our relationships with each other. And then the last section, Romans 15, 14 through 16, 27, is personal greetings and the close of the letter. So that's, that's kind of the big picture where we're going. Um, Here's the plan. For the next 25 weeks, 
25 weeks. So that'll take us through the middle of July. I heard chuckles. I heard that. 25. So this is out of, this is a little bit different. We have typically not done a sermon series this, of this length. Let me just, let me say two things about that. One is one of my uh, heroes in the faith is a, a man named Martin Lloyd-Jones, a 20th century preacher at Westminster Chapel in London, amazing preacher. Um, and he loved Romans. And he preached through Romans. And just for a little context, I'm just putting this out there, he preached 372 sermons on Romans over the course of seven and a half years. So 25 weeks. I'm just saying, what's that? That's no problem. 25 weeks. Um, but I, I want us to work at a pace where we really can absorb and, and, and work through and allow God to work through Romans. So I don't want it to be rushed. And there's just so much uh, kind of meat on the bone, as it were, with Romans. So, so we're going we're gonna to take 25 weeks. And I want to ask you to do two things. Uh, over, over the course of the next uh, few months as we're working through Romans. And, and this is the first one. I just want to ask you to make a commitment to read through Romans. I want us as a community to make that commitment. Um, uh, I want you to get into it. I want you to read it on your own. I want you to get a journal. I want you to make some notes, write questions, underline, highlight. I want you to be in the letter. Read it with your spouse. Read it with your family. How awesome would it be if you huddled up the kids maybe once a week and just read a chapter from Romans. Let them read a chapter out of Romans. Uh, our, our, our middle school and high school students in uh, Divin are going to be going through the book of Romans with us. And this is an opportunity for a discipleship, for parents to come alongside and, and, and have conversations about what they're learning. So, but I want to encourage you, be in it. Set the goal. Here's the goal. Read through the whole book. And I, maybe you've never done this. I went for a long time on my faith not having done this. I'm just sitting down and reading a whole book of the Bible. Uh, and if you can do it in one sitting, great, but maybe just over the course of the week, set a goal. I'm going to read two chapters each night uh, and just get through the book because it's a letter. It was sent as a letter. And so we want to kind of allow ourselves to receive it um, as, uh, as it is. And so uh, other, other ideas, there's great Bible reading plans online. Grab one that works for you. Let it read, read, uh, help you read through the book. Um, we've also got a page on our website. Uh, so if you go to apostleshouston.org, there's resources there to help you study Romans. So there's some great links to uh, different books, commentaries uh, that I would recommend. Uh, there's some great videos from the Bible Project that kind of give an overview of the book of Romans. Uh, highly recommend those. So, but make a commitment to read through Romans. Through Romans. Uh, second would be join a life group. And here's the connection. The Bible is meant to be studied together in community. There's a place for personal devotional study. God speaks to us through his word. But really, the Bible is a communal book. It is a book that speaks to us as the church, corporately. And so opportunities to gather and study God's word together, that's what life groups offer. Uh, so life groups are groups of people who gather in neighborhoods around our city, and they're gathering to work through the Bible, pray, ask how does all this matter in the midst of our everyday lives, encourage each other, gather for a meal once a month, and celebrate together. So that's what a life group is, what it kind of does. And so there's a space to ask questions, to wrestle with things as we come across them in Romans and let it shape our lives. So, so that's my challenge to you is those, those two things, commit to reading Romans and joining a life group. And let me just say this in closing. Here's, here's what I wanna challenge you at a heart level with is don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. As we begin this series, don't just kind of go along as you have been. 
Allow God to use his word in your life by maybe saying, yeah, Lord, I wanna commit to that. Make that commitment to read his word. Make a decision this morning that you are gonna seek God afresh in his word, in the book of Romans. Because here's what God promises, if you will do that. God promises that if you will seek him in his word, you won't miss him. He will speak. And some of us need desperately to hear from the Lord right now. We all do. And so this is an opportunity to let God speak. You will not miss him. Let him meet you. Let him touch you. Let him work in your heart through his word and by the power of his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit will rekindle your spiritual fire through the power of the gospel. And so this is a chance to let the Spirit fan our affections, the flame of our affections for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray.